0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster.
1: I so enjoyed last week, and you heard the testimonies of glimpses of glory. We're still in that series this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I, um, I'm just feeling in my spirit all day today that uh, God's about to change things. Uh, now, I don't mean just in church, and I don't mean just change aesthetics. I think there is, we are in the midst of, it's not going to happen, it's happening. We are in the midst of right now a work of God that only He can do. Uh, we can think we have a part in it, but all we can do is just participate because God's doing a work. And uh, buckle your seatbelt, I'm serious, buckle your seatbelt for what God's doing. And uh, just allow Him to do it. Receive it. Just receive it. You say, Well, I don't, what is it? Well, you don't have to know. It's on a need to know basis. And so God will do it. God's, God's God. He's worthy of our trust. And uh, we've been talking about glimpses of glory. And I want you to turn John chapter 20. And uh, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Uh, Is mentioned 109 times in Scripture, and of those mentions, every time it's something uniquely applied to God. Uh, The glory of the Lord—glory is the essence of God being made manifest in the physical realm. It's the experienced presence of God. And I've been asking the Lord, especially during this time, Lord, I want to see Your glory. I want to know Your glory. Not, not I want to show. I don't want. It's not that. I just want Him. I want Him in all of His manifest glory and what He intends to do. Uh, I, I know, I hear people say, well, preacher, Jesus Christ is the full expression of the glory of God. I know that. There is not a better expression of the glory of God than Jesus Christ. He is the full expression of the glory of God. But there's a difference in seeing a picture on the wall or a teaching in a book and being in the presence with the person in the room. I know God is here in His omnipresence. I know that He is constantly present. I know also that Christ is in me and that I'm in Christ. And that there is the continual presence of God in my life. But I'm talking about Him being here in His power, revealed, conscious presence. I want to see His glory. I want the goosebumps. You understand what I'm saying That I want the chills of His presence. But as I studied for this, I, I, the the original message, I preached this in 1994. It was when God was beginning to move at New Covenant. And uh, I preached this message, but God, it's been a few years, and God kind of upgraded it. Uh, but... Uh, what if Jesus showed up and you missed it? What if He really came and it was the Sunday you wasn't here? I'm not trying for attendance. Don't don't. That's not what I'm saying. So in this passage, there's there's one verse that caught that's riveted my attention because that's what Scripture says about Thomas. I want you to look at John chapter 20, and we're going to start reading in verse 20, uh, excuse me, verse 19. Jesus has just been raised from the dead. In fact, it's the evening of the first day. He has just been raised from the dead. He has just resurrected fresh. Look at verse 19. Then the evening, then the very same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that encounter would have been like? That you were hiding, you are shut up, you're pinned in, and you are scared spitless of what the Jews are going to do to you because you just saw your Savior, your Lord, your Master, hanging naked on a cross. And now he enters the room. Can you, I mean, you just got to, I guess you just had to be there. Look at verse 24. This is out of the New American Standard. But Thomas, called Didymus, or the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. That sentence there has grabbed my heart. He was not with them when Jesus came. He had been chosen. He had walked with Him. Now Jesus has died. He's resurrected. And Thomas is not there. Now, to think that Jesus in resurrection life would come and manifest Himself and I'm not there. (laughs) Have you ever asked yourself the question, why wasn't Thomas with them? Well, no, preacher, I don't ask questions about the Bible. I just believe it. Have you ever asked, just ask. Why wasn't Thomas with them? He was a disciple. And so I asked the Lord, would you like to know why? Okay. The passage doesn't tell us. But I went back and I found out that there's three times in the Gospel of John that Thomas is recorded as speaking. And if you I think we can listen to Thomas's words and we can figure out why he wasn't there. We get a better understanding. Thomas is quoted three times in the Gospel of John. The first time that his words are recorded is in John chapter eleven. So, if you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. But if you want to turn there, Lazarus is sick. You know the story. They send messengers to Jesus and tell him Lazarus is sick. He's expected to go and just pick up and run to Bethany. But Jesus waits two more days, and then one day, though I guess the, the fourth day the, or third day, he he just says, "Let's go to Judea again." The disciples remind Jesus that the Jews are are trying to... They tried to stone him there, and it's kind of dangerous. But Jesus reassures them of his determination to go and wake up Lazarus, literally to raise him from the dead. And we get the first words of Lazarus in verse 16 of Lazarus, of Thomas. The first... The first words recorded in John, and here's what Thomas says, then Thomas, who is called Didymus, same words as in the other verse, said to his fellow disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. In other words, Thomas is saying, well, let's, let's get up and go. He, we'll just die with him. We'll get stoned also with big rocks. What you discover from Thomas' words, is he is a man who tended to look on the darker side of things. His first view or his first thought was the negative. Do you know any people like that? In other words, you tell them something and their first thought is what might go wrong. What's wrong with this thought? Thomas was, basically, he was a pessimist. We called him Doubting Thomas. The title of the message today is a delivered doubter. I'm hoping that'll happen to me. Thomas, let's go 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 with him that we may die with him. Thomas was a pessimist. You know what a pessimist is, don't you? He's the guy that sees the glass half half full or half empty. And if you're really a good pessimist, you don't ever think the glass will be full ever again. Because it's losing it. That was a better joke than you gave it credit for. (laughs) I guess it's because I know one, a pessimist. And the Lord showed me something with this that I'd never seen before. The Lord showed me that, uh, read the words again, he said. So I did. And he showed me something about Thomas that I'd always, I was looking, see, I was looking at Thomas being negative negatively. guess who's the pessimist now? And so God showed me, Daryl, look at it again. He said, Thomas was a man of action. He said, let's go. Thomas also was a man of courage. He was ready to go even if it meant to die. And the third thing is, Thomas loved Jesus. Let's go die with Him. Yeah, he was a pessimist. But he was a man of action. He was a man of courage. And he was a man who loved Jesus. Isn't it amazing often oftentimes our pessimism, our hopelessness in our words, it's so easy to be pessimistic about what God's up to. Well, I know He did it then, but. And I know He could, but. What about? It's so easy to be talked out of the journey with God because of our pessimism. So we hear Thomas in chapter 11 be negative, but look at verse in first, the next time Thomas is heard speaking is in chapter 14, John chapter 14. It's the upper room discourse. Jesus has washed their feet and has given them some teaching in chapter 13, and he's telling them, "I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die, I'm leaving you, I'm leaving you, and you can't come, not now the upper room discourse in chapter 14 jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving and they can't come and they're filled with sadness then to comfort them jesus said let not your heart be troubled and he gives them precious promises of his provision and of his coming back for them of his return and then he closes the statement by saying where i go you know and the way you know and then thomas speaks up in verse 5 of John 14, and he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Good job, Thomas. You're a downer again. Jesus just said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't think Thomas heard anything after Jesus said, I'm leaving. And then Jesus has the audacity to say, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know, and, and Thomas said saying you said we couldn't come how would we know the way here's the thing i want you to hear i believe thomas is ignoring the promises because he could feel the hopelessness and despair of jesus words saying i'm leaving again we see his skeptical mind his gloomy disposition and and jesus said you and that's all thomas can think of you said you're leaving you're not going to be here you're not going to be here for me and Jesus gives one of the fullest revelations of his true person and personhood in the next verse. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It makes me wonder if Thomas heard anything else after Jesus said he was leaving. I wonder if he ever heard any more Jesus was about to say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in chapter 14, 15, and 16. Often our negative thoughts cut off the very truth God's wanting to reveal. Often the very thing that keeps us from finding God's revelation is our fear and our, dis- and our disappointment in our day. God didn't come through. Now He says He's leaving. What hope is there? And we hear nothing else God might want to say. When in John twenty twenty four that we just read, uh as we began the message this is the third time Thomas is specifically mentioned he's not with the other disciples and now understanding Thomas's attitude and his tendency to be negative you can understand why he might not have wanted to be around people he might not want to be around the people that he loved the most because he was so disappointed he was in despair Jesus has died. You know, if the words I'm leaving caused uh, caused Thomas a problem, what do you think seeing his Savior hanging on a cross caused him? A deep depression. And now Thomas finds himself not only not knowing what's going on, but in his confusion and his consternation, he has no idea... About it. And here's what he does that we often do too. He couldn't bear to see his friends, the friends of Jesus and speak with those who had shared his dash hopes. He buries his disappointment in isolation and absence. He doesn't hang around anymore. And he missed the opportunity of experiencing what would have scattered his doubts because he was absent. Oh, don't miss this, how easy it is to let your fears and your disappointments and your disbelief, I'm not even calling it unbelief, it's not its not rejection of it, it's just that you're not sure you can trust it. That we allow those things to keep us from pressing in and in fellowship. Let's go on, look at verse 25. First part of verse 25 says this, the other disciples therefore said to him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Now we don't know if they had searched him out or if he had just decided to knock on the door and come back. We don't know. It doesn't say. All it says is the disciples, the other disciples so excitedly said to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Can you imagine the excitement of those disciples having come out of the encounter of the risen presence of the Lord Jesus? And then can you feel the despair and the skepticism of Thomas? He wasn't ready to receive the testimony of the ten. Have you ever just not wanted to hear somebody excited? This shows, this shows me that the best of us are subject to unbelieving despair. You say, preacher, you're sure depressing this morning. It's going to get better. You see, Thomas had witnessed the raising of Lazarus. He had heard the Lord's promise that he would rise again the third day. Yet he refused to believe that they had seen him. And look at what Thomas has said. This is his words. Verse 25. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Still the skeptic. And, and I can almost add some words because I'm pretty imaginative of what I would have said also. If he really did appear to you, where is he? Why didn't he stay with you? Why doesn't he show himself now? Why do, basically saying, why doesn't he show himself to me? You see, Thomas was unmoved from his doubt and his despair by their excited words. And I saw something I'd never seen in the Scripture before. There's something here that I noticed. The disciples told Thomas of what they had seen. They didn't tell Thomas what Jesus had said. They were so excited about the encounter and about the experience, they described the vision of it, but they didn't tell Thomas what Jesus had said. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'll send you. They didn't put that in there. And it makes you realize, sometimes we can get so excited about the encounter that we miss what Jesus says. Sometimes we can think that the encounter is the main thing. And it's the Word of God that's the main thing. It's not just what happened... What did he say? And it's as though Thomas just hangs there in despair. One of the hardest things, listen to me, and we experienced this back in the 90s when we encountered God in a very way, or God encountered us in a very real way. We experienced this too. One of the hardest times in the Christian life is when everybody else has seemingly seen it, they've experienced it, and you haven't. Everyone is rejoicing, and you are left in isolation And doubt. And it doesn't matter how much they try to include you, you still feel like you're an outsider looking in. You hear that? Everybody, he's so real to oh, so and so. Why ain't he real to me? They encountered this, I didn't get nothing. This was Thomas. Perhaps it's us. Perhaps it's you. Verse 26 is glorious. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. (laughs) He's there. After eight days, though. It's a full week from that time. Thomas has been left in his despair in his skepticism, in his pessimism, for a full week. Some of us have been there years. I raise my hand. Here's an important lesson. Listen to me. Even though you might not be experiencing what everybody else seems to have experienced, your place is still in the body. Your place is still in the fellowship, and I'm not voting for attendance, okay? I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying your place, no matter how much doubt, how much despair, how much fear, how much you think everybody's got it but you, it doesn't matter. You, there's still a place in the body. That's where you're going to be real. That's when it's going to be. Because we'll see this story, it gets better. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And look at verse... 26, the next part. Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. This visit of the risen Lord was for Thomas. Jesus came in the same way, inside a a closed up room, and He said the same thing. The other disciples, that's why I knew that they hadn't said what He had said, because now Jesus says it again. Let me tell you, Jesus is not... It's not like, well, Jesus said it one time, that's enough. Let me tell you, God wants you to hear it so bad, He'll say it three times. Peace to you. Peace to you. Peace to you. This time, boy, there's so much more here. You realize how patient and tender the Lord is with dull, slow followers? Jesus didn't rebuke his disciple, He didn't say shame on you, where were you? But He speaks the same word to him. Peace be to you, Thomas. The Lord, has many, the Lord has many weak children in His family. He has dull pupils in His school. He has raw soldiers in His army. And many lame sheep in His flock. And yet He bears with us all and He casts none away. Peace to you. Now see, he said it three times. He said it twice to the disciples on the first evening of his resurrection. He said it again eight days later when he says it to Thomas and the rest of the disciples. The third time. And, and as I looked at that, it's the same word, just the same peace. But yet I think there's three connotations of how he used it. You see, the first in verse 19, Jesus has peace to you because... That peace was coming because of the atoning work, the consequence of His atoning work. They didn't need to be afraid anymore. Their sins had been forgiven. The finished work of the cross had been uh, assured. The resurrection proved He was the Son of God. There was nothing to fear. Life eternal has come. Peace. Shalom. Well-being. The second peace, He said to them... He says, as the Father, peace to you, as the Father sent me, so I'll send now you. There was a preparation and a provision for service. In other words, you're going to need my peace to carry this message to the world. It's the peace that supplies the power and the confidence for our walk. It's only to the extent that the peace of God is ruling our hearts that we're able to rise above the hindrances and the oppositions. Folks, listen, the world is not going to be happy with the reality of Jesus Christ they want to put the light out because darkness hates the light you've got to understand that and Jesus says peace you've got it as the father sent me I'm sending you you have the power the third piece was spoken to Thomas it's amazing to me that the third piece is the means of recovery Thomas I know right now you wasn't there I know how you're feeling. I know what you're fearing. I know what you think. But I'm telling you, peace to you, Thomas. Peace to you. My peace. (laughs) And then verse 27 blows me away. We read these... We read these scriptures and we read it like we've always read it. Listen to what it says, verse 27. Then Jesus says to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Now wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. These are Thomas's words. These are eight days later. How is it that Jesus was repeating Thomas' words? Because he has heard them. (laughs) He was there when Thomas spoke them, though he wasn't visibly present. No one had seen him. No one had told Jesus what Thomas had said. Yet Jesus was fully aware of every word Thomas uttered, and he could repeat it back. If Jesus heard Thomas, I wonder if he hears us. I wonder if he hears our doubts, our fears, our pride, our complaints. If he heard Thomas and could quote it back, aren't you glad he doesn't quote it back to you? I am. (laughs) But wait. It gets better. Jesus came back. Jesus came eight days later for a man who had made a confession of unbelief. Jesus came back. For you who felt like you've never experienced God, you don't know if He's... Let me tell you, Jesus comes back. Jesus doesn't give up on us. Even when it looks like we've given up on him. Jesus comes back and listened to what Jesus said. Reach here your finger. And then Jesus gives Thomas an open invitation to examine him. Look, Thomas, feel me. Reach your hand here. Put it in my side. Jesus was saying, Thomas, it's me. It's me. These wounds were for you. Do you need to touch them to know that they're real? Then touch them. Know me. Know me. Why would Jesus come back to Thomas? Because He was chosen. He, he wanted Thomas to know Him. Why does He come back to us? Because He wants you to know Him. Folks, listen to me. God is much more interested in you knowing Him than you are knowing Him. In fact, it wasn't your idea to, some of it wasn't your idea to come to church this morning, but it wasn't your idea, it wasn't your idea to seek out God. In fact, unless the Lord draws you, you can't seek Him out at all. You see, He started the work and you just responded and now you're curious. And the same one who drew you in the first place will continue to draw you and give you every opportunity This needs to be a real amen moment. He'll give you every opportunity to know Him better. To know you more. Thank you. Clap. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Now listen to what Jesus said. No, excuse me. Yeah. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. In other words, Jesus wants you not... Jesus wants you to believe. We're all unbelieving in areas, but he wants you to believe. It was the sight of the Savior's wounds that scattered Thomas's doubts. And that's what I want you to say. And, uh, Thomas gets a glimpse of the glory. Here, here are Thomas' words here. And Thomas, verse 28, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. There's no scriptural evidence that Thomas ever touched him. He didn't need to. He recognized him. My Lord, my God, Thomas calls Jesus Lord, which is Master, boss, ruler, you're my ruler, and He calls Him God, Theos. You're my deity. But more than that, and that's what I've to listen to many of us have confessed Jesus as Lord, and many of us think that He's our God. But let me tell you, here's the point that I want you to get. Thomas, all of a sudden, he saw Jesus for who He was, and now he says, "You are my Lord." You are my God. Suddenly he receives him to be his own. Many people have believed the prescription. They've believed the testimony. They've believed the word. They've believed this. But if they received the reality of the truth of it, for Jesus to be their Lord, their God, It wasn't because someone told him. It wasn't because someone showed him, but because he experienced him for himself. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas had experienced the personal resurrected Lord and believed. And Thomas had walked with Jesus. He had heard his promises. He had seen his works. He was hesitant to believe. He's hesitant to believe unless he got further proof. I don't think Jesus was reprimanding him, but I think Jesus was saying something. There's coming a people after him, Gentiles, which are us, who would never see Jesus physically, but they would believe. And believing that they would have the very same life and blessings that those who saw had Jesus is not saying, I don't believe He's saying, I'm looking for blind faith. You just don't have to see. You just, just believe. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think what Jesus is saying is, Thomas, it's about believing. It's about believing. It's not about seeing. It's about believing. If you see to believe, that's one thing. But it's about believing. Put the emphasis on the believing. Listen to me. God wants you to know Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to believe Him. Why? Because that will change you. Transform you, make a new creature of you. The reason He doesn't leave us alone is because He wants you to know Him and He wants to be made known to the world. Don't beat yourself up when it's difficult to believe or to trust. We all have disappointment. We all have discouragement. We all have doubts. You say, well, preacher, what's the point? I want you to experience the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ. I want you to know the personal peace that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit, the viable presence of Jesus in your life. I want you to be able to say, my Lord, my God. Sometimes it takes an encounter for that to be real. It could be a prayer or it could be A revelation. Jesus still has a heart for doubters. And we are living in a generation of doubt, of skepticism. And it's to this generation, the generation that says, I heard, I've heard about Jesus, I've heard you're a savior. But I want to experience your salvation. I've heard you're a healer, but I want to experience your healing. I've heard you can deliver, but I want to experience your freedom. It's not wrong to say, God, I want the experience. I've got good news for you today. Great news. He's still a touchable God. A God who will let you touch his scars because they were put there for you. A God who will open up and deal with those painful places in your life because He paid the price for it, for your healing. He's a God who will let your doubt touch Him. He's not afraid of your doubt. He's saying, here I am, I'm real. He's saying, examine me. I can stand up to your inspection. Thrust your hand in my side. In other words, delve into me if that's what it's going to take for you to figure me out, touching Him and being touched by Him will alleviate doubt and disperse disbelief. But it will also help you to abandon uncertainty and to walk away believing. Let me ask you just one question. Is Jesus your Lord? Is He your God? Don't give up on Him. Because He's not giving up on you. He wants to show you His glory. Jesus, stand with me. Brandon and Amanda are back over to my left, to your right. They're there to, to, to minister, to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, maybe you know all the teaching. You you, you may even have the picture on your wall at home. But is He yours? You belong to Him and He belongs to you. You see, you're real God. Not the God of your imagination. We want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. The Bible says if we'll confess Him as Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved, we will be delivered, we will be transformed. You can receive that. If you want Jesus, they would love to help you and pray with you. Others of you are here. You don't know about this Jesus stuff. Let me read to something that was written that was sent to me from last Sunday. They wrote this. Here's what I got Sunday. New wineskins and fresh winds. Latter rains are coming. Yea, they're already here. Experience my presence, the Lord says. Love. Experience my love. Experience my relationship. Be not anxious, but trust and rest in me. I will clothe you in my mercies, my love, and my grace. I have overcome death, pain, and sorrow. Rejoice, for the bridegroom has arrived. Open your hearts. Dwell and dine with me at my feast. That's what God said to somebody that was here last Sunday. Let me ask you a question. Would you receive what He's saying to you today? It may not be to be something public, but it's something He's saying to you. He's wanting to speak to you to show you Himself. It may be whatever timing, it may be eight days from now. But He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Year, receive him, sing for
0: us.
2: He wants to bring peace to you. Even before you believe in the middle of your doubts, He wants you to have peace. The peace that's available to you is not the peace of the world. It's not conditional. It's just because of who He is. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Take that peace to the world that needs it, those around you. Uh, Today, we need peace more than ever. So, Father God, right now, I just ask by your Holy Spirit that you would let us experience your peace personally in our lives for us, for us right now, who we are right now. In our own belief or disbelief, Father, thank you for your peace. Lord, set that in our hearts. Let us take that to those in our community, in our marketplace, in our job place, and in our homes, to our loved ones and to our friends. Father, help us be an instrument of peace for you and your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all for coming. If you'd like uh, a little ministry, Brandon and Amanda are over there in the corner. Get in line. Uh, be mindful of them and what's happening over there. And if you'd like to meet with a pastor, he's outside to the right. Thank you and be blessed.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message.